Welcome to the Finding Backcountry Podcast with your host, Dustin Whitwer. I am Dustin Whitwer, and this is the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. Hey guys, another episode of the Hunt Series. We're back. I am sitting out on my front porch. Absolutely perfect Wyoming evening. Got home from work, had dinner with the kiddos and the wife, went for a run. And well, anyone that has kids that go to bed, because it's just after bedtime, you understand, especially in a house like we have, there's just not a lot of other places to, uh, you know, I don't have some downstairs or some remote office or something. So it used to be my little hunting room that I would record in sometimes, but that was, <coughs> that's, uh, shares a wall to these, uh, the two boys there that were fostering. So that's a little too risky in there. They have every reason already to jump around and not go to bed. Man, what a learning experience that's been with <laughs> just bedtime alone. It's a, an adventure that we're navigating our way through. So out here on the front porch with the dogs, hopefully the my editor's probably going to hate me um, with the birds chirping and the background noise. But Anthony, if you're listening, just... It's all right, man. Just let it roll. We'll we'll do this. This this episode, this series is meant to be outside. I think so. Um, man, number three here, and wanted to basically jump on. Uh, you know, a couple main things here. Wanted to recap the bear hunt, talk about some gear um, that I've been experiencing on those uh, little bonsai bear hunts so far. And then Wyoming tags and then talk about, you know, just wrap up with kind of the race and stuff this weekend. So, yeah, man, the bear hunt. I was, you guys heard in the last episode, like I was so excited and so jacked up on finding these two bears on, now I've got a bird fight, a literal bird fight going on in the tree outside of my house. Hey, find another tree. My goodness. Um, anyway, just pretend I'm up on the mountain or something. I was so jacked up. I had those two bears, and they were within, you know, they were at the time within, oh, they're within a half mile of each other. And, you know, there's basically one long finger ridge that came down in between where I saw both of them. And so, you know, I'd come back Saturday and I just knew that if I could get up there, the season ended on Tuesday. Uh, the quota when I went up on Saturday was two away. 
and over the weekend so my plan was to go up Tuesday night like kind of one last shebang spend you know one more night at home helping the wife and then Tuesday right after work or even you know an hour early or something peel out well I go into work on Monday and I noticed that the quota updates you know at like 3 30 or whatever on Monday and someone had killed a sow over the weekend which is legal but it takes one off of the quota right and so now it's one sow away from being shut down and I don't I mean probably not something to worry about as much as I did but you know, in my head, I started panicking because I'm like, oh, man, I've got this spot that's going to be killer and someone's going to shoot a sow. Someone's up there shooting a sow right now. I just know it, you know, Monday, and then it's going to be closed and I'm going to come in tomorrow and be all jacked up to leave and I'm going to check the quota and someone killed a sow and it's closed. And that was stupid, right? So strike while the iron's hot. And and yet, and yet I was still, I said, I, I told myself, you know, this is, it's now, you know, four, four thirty or so at work. And, um, I'm like, well, it'll be fine. Like, no, you know, I go through that cycle and then I'm like, no, one's gonna feel the, no one's it's Monday and no one's up there hunting. Like it's going to be fine. Just stick with the plan and go up Tuesday. So I kind of call the wife. Right. And you know, whatever. I wasn't, I definitely wasn't fishing for permission to go. Um, I just kind of told this situation and, you know, sometimes like she needs me to pick up something. We live out, you know, in the tiny little town with no store and stuff. So I'm just doing the check-in before I drive home or whatever, see how it was with the kids. And I tell her the story and she's like, so are you going to go up? (laughs) Uh, should I? Well, you know, I just am really, and when when your wife says these words, I was just really excited because you found this spot and I was, I'm excited for you to get up there and get to your spot. And when she believes in me that much, it's like, well, yeah, of course I'm going to go and I'm going to kill this bear. And so I bomb out of work at like 445. I still got to drive home, which is, you know, 45 minutes out of my actual direction if I if I was smart but again I wasn't planning this the wife threw it on me so I got to come out of my way a little bit and then uh you know up to the mountains and um so I end up peeling home you know I'm not taking much it's just a little evening hunt but I throw in my stuff you know say hi to the wife and the the kiddos and I'm like all right I gotta go boom I peel out you know and I knew how about how long it took and whatever, and I'm like, okay, if I can get to my spot where I'm going to start hiking at this point, then I'll be fine and it'll be worth the trip. And I, it was, it was perfect. I could do it. And so I get up there, and another just epic evening. No bears. Didn't see a single bear. Um, you know, just that's how it goes. What I did see was. 500 elk again and that's always fun um i'll post up a little video maybe on one of the pages there of just the elk nursery right is what i was calling it i mean just a 
a little hillside saddle with, I mean, a dozen little newborn elk calves and just super cute and fun and all. But, you know, I'm up there for a bear and of course I can't find one. This, the, I mean, I just knew I had them pegged. Bears I'm, I'm learning are not like, you know, mule deer bucks in the summer. <laughs> they, they probably don't have one basin or one, um, meadow that they come out into every night. So some seasoned bear hunter is laughing very hard right now. And that's fine. I'm, you know, I was up there, you know, right or wrong on my strategy. I was up there and you always have a chance when you're up there and, but got absolutely taken to school on the bears. So, but it was awesome. I love being up there. Got another good little hard hike in, you know, once it was time to leave the glassing point, I had, I don't know, a mile back to the truck and a little bit uphill. And so I just, as hard as I could go, um, you know, basically told myself not to stop and go as hard as I could and just to, you know, make the evening worth it. Picked up some crap food at the, you know, I'm going to talk about that at the end, but I cannot control myself with this diet. But anyway, definitely have an awesome wife. So then I was just at that point, you know, well, did you go out Tuesday? No, I didn't go out Tuesday because I just, I could just feel it. Like she, you know, she'd, Anyway, it was just, it was, I was over. That was my, that was my shebang and it didn't pan out. So bears, I don't know at this point, bears six, me zero or so. Bears seven, bears eight. I don't even know. Bears are a lot and I'm zero. Um, yeah. So whatever. I'm not a bear hunter by trade. I just play one on a podcast. So what I did get valuable out of the little trips is testing some of this gear and these gear setups man the first one that i'm just absolutely in love with are these soro nl pure 12s i debated for so long on whether to get the 12s or the 10s ultimately went with the 12s and my reasoning which i'm finding is almost too perfect um, of a reason is I felt like the 12s would these 12s specifically would do everything that I would need to do with like a pair of 15s right I mean I when I'm holding a pair of 15s I obviously want to be able to glass anything close but anything out to I don't know um uh, you know, over a mile, you know, I want to be able to glass realistically over a mile, a couple miles maybe. And, you know, when I picked that bear up, this, the second bear, the one that I went after bonsai the other night, um, I mean, I picked him up like instantly with those 12s, oh, well over a mile, probably a couple miles, closer to two than one, and picked him up. E- I mean, they're just crisp, they're clear. They basically can do everything that the 15s can do and because the field of view is so nice and so big I can offhand them and do almost everything a pair of 10s can do and that was where I settled with them and why I settled on them but um yeah I just I cannot say enough I'm I'm uh, it's almost to the point right where 
what do I do? <laughs> what do I do with my 15s? I don't want to hear about my first world problems, Kay. I know this is this is a ridiculous thing to even be worried about, but like, what do I do with my 15s? Do I keep them? The only time I see, I don't even know. I don't know at this point. I'm just every time I go out with those 12s now, I'm just like, yep, yep, yep. These are the these are the deal, and I feel like I'm gonna have these brand new 15 Soros that are just I don't know. So. I could definitely be enticed. If someone is in the market for a pair of 15s, this is not what I meant. I'm not plugging my to sell these, but just DM me and we'll go from there. We'll figure I'll I would strongly consider a good offer on those. But um with those, I have been running, I don't know, posted on the team backcountry post a while back this attachment quick disconnect attachment from really right stuff and you know i've been not 100 percent sure about how it's going to go and really this is i didn't really use it as much as i should have last year just a couple times for work at the range so this has been the first like couple real you know out in the mountains glass and working it on off on off on off the tripod that i've had to test it it's called the cinch and you know if you picture kind of a nylon strap, I think, with a metal bottom, you know, and the metal bottom looks, you know, like a, like it's meant to fit around your, the objective outside of end objective on your binos, you know, kind of looks almost like a, a set of scope rings on a rifle or something, but just the bottom half U-shaped. And then there's a strap that goes over the top and there's, you know, a little uh, latch that catches and then it can, it cams over. So, in other words, you adjust the the length that you have on that strap, and then as you cam it over, it you put the right tension on it, and it kind of locks down firm, right? <clears throat> so the advantage of this setup is the versatility. I could, within two and a half minutes, I could take that strap off. My 12s, I could have it on my 15s, and it would work. I could have it back down on my 8s if I'm packing those. Any any bino, basically, I can run that system, you know, within minutes and have it switched over. It's very universal because the just, adjustment factor on the strap. The disadvantage is with that, you have to get the tension perfect. And I've learned on these 12s, the, you know, it's kind of a weird shape on the, um, on the, you know, whatever you call that, the body of the, um, of the bino body, the, the tubes, because they're not, you know, like most binos are pretty, uh, tapered, pretty straight and pretty similar the whole way. These have a very abrupt, um, taper and they get a little fatter at the end to go up to the 42 objective that they are, but they, they shrink way down back, you know, back by the, the power dial and back kind of where your hands go gives them an incredible feel in your hand like nothing like I've ever felt just these 12s they just sit in your hand they feel like smaller than my eights honestly I mean I I'm sure they're lighter they have to be my eights are like from clear back hand-me-downs from my dad like 25 years ago so there's some of the originals or I don't know not originals but some very old pair of, of SLCs but um 
anyway, with that, you know, that kind of curvature and that different shape, it's kind of hard to get that. I fi- I finally got it and I think I got it set, but it's hard to get that strap, you know, with the right tension to stay in the right place. And so, you know, just, a, just a disadvantage a little bit. Um, once you get it set, it seems to get set, but, um, an advantage is that it can go on and off and stay. If you've got the right vinyl harness that's big enough, I can basically slide those 12s into the Kuyu Pro that I that I got a size large without removing it, obviously. Otherwise, it would be a terrible, you know, would not be would not be the right system to run if you couldn't keep it on the binals while they're going in and out of the binal harness. It's it just, that's the only way to run that setup, I think. Um, you know, and the other disadvantage is with this system, and this is more so, well, I'm not sure that there's a lot of other options out there, but, you know, the tripod head i have the jim white 2.0 from outdoorsman and the way that that arca swiss attachment locks tight is you know you gotta you gotta screw the the little side piece in and out right so different than like the posts like the outdoorsman's post for example that we've ran in the past with like a stud on your binos um, which I was told by, you know, some very Swarovski rep guys, like they don't have a system like that, that they will warranty for the NLs. They're just, I'm sure it's part of the way they cut weight is maybe where some of those, like the, the stud uh, attachment would go in the front screw or whatever in the center column. And maybe it's it's just a lighter weight or a, a lighter duty plastic or something like that. So hopefully it doesn't, you know, obviously whatever 3,000 plus pair of binos, you know, it's not going to affect the, the performance or the toughness of the bino. But as far as attaching one of those outdoorsman type studs. Now, I know that there's there's some good friends of mine that make a stud that I think they made specifically for those. Just know I talked right to the Swaro rep and not recommended, not warrantied. It's not built to handle that setup or that weight. So whatever, right? I'm trying to play within the rules there. So, but different opposed to those systems where the attachment itself stayed on your tripod and it was, you know, hit the button and slide that stud out and then it's completely removed from your binos. That's much quicker than screwing that screw in, right? Every single time and then screwing it out when you want to switch to your spotter. You got to screw it down in on your spotter, obviously. You know, they're just, you know, man, the least least amount of that when you're glassing, the better. And so that is a disadvantage of that system is every time you're on and off, you've got to put, you know, four or five revolutions probably into that little side screw to lock it down or whatever. So if someone knows of a good, you know, Arca Swiss type head, that's a quick, I mean, I know there's those levers that cam over, but I need a legit, you know, not, I'm thinking of like the cheap, like Vanguard heads or whatever that I'm not even sure they're Arca Swiss. I'm just looking for like the ultimate backcountry 
uh, tripod head that, you know, ultra lightweight, pan tilt, got to have pan tilt, and has like a quick on-off lever or something, I would strongly consider switching to that so that I didn't have to, you know, ear, 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 screw the screw in every single time, so... Anyway, that's kind of the rundown on that that RRS um, cinch head. There was one that the rep recommended. No offense to him, but I didn't like it just because it. Um, so picture now, picture an actual set of scope rings on a rifle scope, but this is much thinner. You know, it doesn't have. It's not nearly as wide or bulky. It's just a thin strip of metal that goes over the top and the bottom and then actually screws down in, um, you know, on the other side, just like a set of rings would on a scope. And it, but it was custom ordered per set of bino. So I would have to have a different, uh, different one for my peers. I'd have to have a different one for the 15s or the eights or whatever else I'm running. And they're like the same price as this RRS uh, cinch you know, 100, 110, 120 bucks or whatever. And I'm like, come on. Like, I didn't like the idea of having that, that permanent attachment, like the, you know, it's on there and it's locked on anyway. Um, and then I didn't want to have to buy one for every set of vinyls that I want to run. Now, that being said, the 15s, and I actually have it, Swirl makes their own center column post with the lever, you know, and I get those, you know, on a pro deal or whatever discount price from work. And so, um, you know, I have that. It's not really expensive anyway, but so technically I could at least run the 15s and I guess I could run the pures with that little clamp system that he was, he was recommending, but mm -hmm, so far compared to that, I think I just prefer this really right stuff one, but there are some things about it that I don't love. So love to hear you guys' feedback on that setup if you've used it or not um guys do not sleep on the crispy valdrez boots i'm telling you again you know i haven't put 100 miles on them but i've put 10 miles probably and i mean just a crispy boot in general like i've worn quite a few other boots and you know what I love about them is those Nevadas, the Nevadas that I have in there, for example, they're going on their fourth season, and I'm I'm going to get away with it because I'm going to use the Valdrez for all my early season scouting trips and stuff, and then I'm going to bust out my crisp, my Nevadas just to, just to say I went four years on a pair of boots with as many miles as I usually put on. Um, and as big a dude as I am, right, like that's different if you're – 150 pounds um compared to my you know like you guys all know my personal stats <laughs> six four two pushing 230 right now um that's a lot of wear and tear on a pair of boots with a lot of miles and a lot of weight so um anyway i'm telling you these crispy valdrez like i think it's the i think it's the best boot i've ever found for the money now hold your horses i'm not i'm not saying overall i still think here's my prediction my prediction is like this fourth year that i'm getting out of my nevadas of again i've never had really any other early season boot that i've ever ran so those nevadas like when i say four years 
it's not just hunts or just hunts or what uh just hunting season in the fall it's all summer any shed you know i go on i would go on one or two shed trips or like if i was bear hunting a couple times in the past maybe like it's everything on those nevadas in four years and my prediction is that the Valdrez would not last that long. There's one or two extra seams in the um, in the leather, and that always constitutes problems. That always is a recipe for failures on boots is, is stitches and seams. The Nevada is like basically one piece. It's either one full piece of leather or probably one seam on the inside you know on the inside of your ankle or whatever but um so that's my prediction but for like i don't have my stats i should have looked it up at least a hundred bucks less i think um yeah i mean you know if those crispies are what do they run 400 bucks or so then or the nevadas sorry not crispies crispy nevadas the uninsulated nevadas 400 bucks or so so about 100 bucks a year i mean if the valdrez get me three years right it's the same ratio but here's the advantage that i'm loving is they're they're noticeably lighter they're noticeably lighter with all the other same similar features and so anyway i've just been impressed i told you guys from day one i think this boot's a sleeper i've had you know that first initial 10 miles you know what i love about crispies they do last as long as some of those other boots and there's no break-in period. Like, think about that. I mean, I took those exact Nevadas that we're talking, the, the Nevadas out of the box in Nevada, ironically, and went 10 miles, 11 miles in, killed a buck, came out. So at least 22 miles along with, you know, the stock and all that kind of stuff that you do in the backcountry. Right out of the box, like, and I, you know, I granted, I've worn them before, same boot. I knew the size or whatever, but you, man, you just can't underestimate that. They fit my feet perfect. I've got them dialed. So don't sleep on the Valdrez. I think it's the best boot for the money. Will it hold up? We'll see. Okay, guys. Um, I need a shoulder to cry on. I got skunked in the Wyoming draws. This is like a big thing going on right now for me. Like, I realized today that I have not drawn let me think for sure I have not personally drawn a single tag I don't think I've seen successful next to my name one time let me go let me run down New Mexico I applied for basically everything zilch didn't get anything Arizona, the jury's still out on 50% of Arizona. So elk and antelope, applied results, nothing. I've got apps technically still in for deer and desert sheep or whatever in Arizona, and the draws won't be out until, geez, they push it so late, like July, I think, July 5th or something. So technically, could I still pick up one of those? Yes. Am I going to? Snowball's chance in the southern nevada heat that we're having they're having down there right now not gonna happen right i i put in for some of the i mean it's no secret right the strip or the kaibab i honestly can't remember which and then the sheep tags like i'm not gonna draw that so basically considering that a strikeout across the board heading north 
Utah completely nothing struck out. My wife drew a great tag, but I didn't. Uh, Nevada, no love, absolutely no love in Nevada. Uh, Colorado, completely skunked in Colorado. I mean, a tag that was has been a hundred percent on first choice or second choice didn't draw it skunked um nothing nothing else in colorado now i'm skunked in wyoming i didn't apply i did apply for sheep in montana so i technically applied in montana and also got skunked that's another state i do have basically my last like best chance of drawing a tag is i have a deer and an elk tag or an app in in idaho and even those, I vaguely know the percentages off the top of my head. They're definitely less than 10, and I think they're less than 5 on the units that I put in for it. Probably not going to happen. So let's just assume that within the next two to three weeks, like, I didn't draw a single tag, nothing. And I pride myself in, you know, there are some states like Arizona where I shoot for the stars, and I'm not ever expecting to draw, and I don't think I should draw. But when you put in for a second choice Colorado tag that's been guaranteed and you don't pick it up, like something's going on. Is it, uh, did I just lose my touch this year? Is it the influx of hunters? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, no, I, I definitely didn't lose my touch. I, this is exactly the risk that I take with some of the hunts and stuff that I apply for. Man, we're almost all trying to, get the best bang for our buck or to get just a little bit more than we think like the the points that we have are worth or whatever right now here's the punchline i'm a wyoming resident that allows me a lot of freedom and a lot of confidence on my other applications on my other states we all know why i can pick up a general deer tag a general elk tag heck i could probably pick up a leftover buck antelope tag and you know go kill a decent antelope too and really have like access to hunt some of the like better deer and elk hunting you know especially for the quality of tags in the west right i mean guy could legit go tip over as big a bull as i've ever shot you know which is like a 350 type bull on the the -the over-the-counter tag here the general tag you know if you if you get a little luck and, you know, definitely tip over, you know, a big mule deer buck on any given year. So that allowed me to be overly confident because I technically can go buy those over the counter. So, but now that's not enough. I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not satisfied or happy with just, just one deer tag in Wyoming and one elk tag. Um, I deserve more. <laughs> and i am gonna get it um colorado leftovers are hot on my radar uh the nevada turnbacks i've told you guys this so i will i will persevere and you mark my words i will let me back up last year i picked up an idaho over the counter i've probably mentioned that and so I technically have a crap, what I would consider, not a crap unit, but just a, it's a unit I've never been in. Let's put it that way. This, it's just, it was just a tag 
it was like, hey, I even got on late, like a day late. And I was like, whatever, like, what's the next best available? A lot of the, what I would guess are the, some of the better units were sold out already. And so I got a tag in a unit in Idaho in my back pocket. And it's in terrible, it's in October. Um, the last time, you know, you really want to be hunting mule deer if you can help it. But it is a tag, so I do have that. But again, over the counter, I would just assume draw the limited uh, draw tag that I'm in for and turn that baby back in, though. So, and I'm not, so anyway, I'm going to have another either archery, maybe Colorado, maybe a turn back Nevada, um, tag, mule deer tag. Like, you mark my words, I am on a mission, and I am, I'm, I'm going to be honest, like, I'm pretty good at that little game right there, finding these, those kind of tags, so. It's going to be the OTC leftover tag dream season. We'll see how it ends. Okay, race weekend. Oh, man, this is going to hurt. I'm telling you guys, like, the furthest that I've ran in the last, like, six eight months or whatever. Let's be honest. The furthest that I've ran since the last time I ran this race, (laughs) which was two years ago, is like, I don't know, I've maybe done one five-miler somewhere in there. And the most furthest that I've ran in the immediate training period, you know, the last two to four months, (laughs) is four and a half miles. And I'm going to run eight on Saturday. So, oh man, not only that, but it's not like I've been crushing my diet and I'm down, you know, 30 pounds and I can just bank on being, you know, lighter than I've ever been. I'm as heavy as I've ever been. (laughs) So this is the dumbest thing that I've ever done. And yet here we are. Um, slipping on my diet. I'm hovering around 228, 229. I, I went for a two and a half mile run tonight, just like my last hoorah. That felt great. Um, <laughs> but I was also about a mile from running out of steam probably. So, oh man, all, uh, it's going to be, this is the first overnight weekend type deal. I think that the wife and I have had since the last whatever it's been the last couple months with uh these kiddos love them to death like they're really good kids but anyone who's a parent knows like this has been an absolute shock to our system and it's this is i'm like i've never (laughs) this is (laughs) i i understand now i get it parents like when you guys get like i let me let me tell it another way. I would have, I have these friends, right? Like through college or kind of the last, I mean, Jen and I have been married for 12 years and we haven't had kids. So we have a lot of friends that have either gotten married, gotten married and had kids. They've had kids for a long time. Right. I mean, I've got one of my best friends has got a kid that's probably nine or 10. Anyway, back in the day when we were like, back when we were hanging out with them, it'd always be like, Hey, let's go, whatever, let's go out to eat or let's go, you know, whatever, watch a movie or something. They'd be like, oh yeah, we would love to. Let's get a babysitter. Well, we didn't get to see their kids very often. We're like, no, no, bring your kids. It'll be great. Just bring them, you know, because we didn't get it. It was just a blip. It was just like, oh, this little, 
you know, two hour section, how bad can they be? Even when kids were their worst, we just kind of like, <laughs> like sit back and laugh, man, kids are crazy. Nope. I totally get it now where, when they would turn around and be like, no, the kids cannot come. They cannot come. I totally understand. And I'm, I've never looked forward to a, a one night getaway to go absolutely kick my own butt, mind you. Like, this isn't sitting on the beach, you know, and drinking a pina colada. This is like, I'm going to go crush myself, and I'm so looking forward to it. You don't even have a clue. Just, like, the four-hour drive with just my wife and, like, then getting there, no bedtime for, oh, my gosh, it's going to be great. So I'm sure everyone out there is just dying. I'm an idiot or this is what I get or whatever, but we're looking forward to it. So that's it. We'll, uh, the next update i may try and have jen jump on we'll see how the race goes maybe record one you know this weekend uh driving back and just give a little summary of the race you know maybe even a shorter version get jen on the podcast you guys haven't met her she's she's awesome she's the best so anyone out there who hasn't isn't married yet man find yourself a jen and you will uh you'll never regret it she She's just, she's the best, man. She's awesome. So, okay. Hunt series number three in the books. The responses, can I just say like two episodes, three episodes in now, the reaction or the response to this has been relatively overwhelming. I use the term overwhelming loosely. I like, I'm get real, right? I don't, I have, you know, four people that listen but before all four would just listen and not really give a lot of response back all four of you <laughs> all four of you i feel like have have messaged or emailed in even and said how much you enjoy this podcast so um that's overwhelming relatively speaking <laughs> this has been an overwhelming response um in a good way to how much uh, you guys like this so gonna keep riding that wave and i'll keep pumping them out and man any other feedback or anything you guys want to hear um keep it coming i'll keep them rolling it's been uh i will say i i look forward to these little updates on the hunt series very much so thank you guys for listening <clears throat> thank you guys for listening go ahead and uh you know i don't ask this a lot but i feel like we got something going here share this to your buddies so we don't get you know, 30 episodes into this in October and you're trying to share with your buddies, you know, what's been going on in this poor schmuck's life with his so-called, you know, over-the-counter dream season and he can't find a deer to shoot or whatever. So get him in now and let's, let's go on the, uh, let's go on the ride together. But thanks for listening guys. Appreciate it. And, uh, have a good one. Hey everybody. Thank you for listening to the Finding Backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, Make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends. But the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this and other episodes, please visit FindingBackCountry.com.